everybody. Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. Um, I'm not going to even ask you how you are because I'm just going to, like normal, go into the most important news and then we'll get to you. What, your book is now out in all the countries? Sorry, no, what's the most... <laughs> sorry. I did just get charged for it, so... I think it's oh, coming exciting. out. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Maybe that is the most important news. No, it's just that I had a sweet 16 party for my cat. We <laughs> talked about that last episode. But I physically had it. Oh, right. Okay, fine. All right. Okay. How did she like the dress? I saw pictures. She looked pissed off. Um, you know, she accepts it pretty well. Like putting it on because like it's almost like putting a baby into something where you're just like get, get your <laughs> you know I mean? like, like you ever like try to put a onesie on a kid and you're like why are you kicking like what are you doing yeah. so it's a lot of man handling an arm but it's, i just had to put her in the sleeves and it's a little velcro across her chest and then it's just almost like kind of like a cape um but yeah once it was on she didn't care it was a, she got a lot of attention and she's and she couldn't she sleeps all day like somebody in our um fan mail was like I miss pasta and I was like that's crazy because like she just sleep like remember she cried all during the pandemic and now she I don't know something clicked and she got old and now she sleeps all day zero exaggeration um so I think she was just a little agitated because she, she we took pictures which I'll, I'll post on Friday but everybody took a picture with her in her dress that's what I made my friends do um and uh and then I left for the day. Oh, we went out to dinner and I left for the, for the night. And then I came back and she was like on Chris's bed. And I was like, okay, just hang out with Chris. And then I went to go feed her and I couldn't find her. And I was like, oh, she's probably just hiding. She had a long day. Oh, there was also a dog in the house. So I think she was a little like agitated because of that. So anyway, I go to bed and she's usually she sleeps on top of me. But I was like, okay, she's agitated. She's in Chris's room. She'll cry at some point and I'll open the door. It'll be fine. And then I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and I was like, she's dead. Like in my mind, I was like, she's mm. dead. And I was like outside of Chris's room. It was like me and Chris both slept with our doors open because we knew she was in his room. So 5.30 in the morning, I'm on the floor outside Chris's room without going in shaking kitty treats because I'm like now mm. can't sleep. I'm so like anxious that I like overstressed my cat. Like I'm like in my head shaking these treats. She doesn't get up. So I can't sleep. I'm just like laying there being like, what if like, what if like this was too much for her little 16 year old heart? So then I'm up until like seven, I went to go get a glass of water and then I hear her cry, but I don't know where it's coming from. So I'm opening every closet and then my roommate John has been out of town for like a month or so. I accidentally locked her in John's room. How? So I opened the door. I just, I had shut the door because we, we cleaned our apartment because we had friends over. So we just kind of been using John's room as storage. So I must've closed the door at some point at last the night before. And I locked her in there. So I opened the door. She comes out like Jesus Christ. And then I was like, we could have had, like, I was up for hours stressing about her and she was just in John's room. And then she was like, fine. She was just kind of like annoyed. But is this, the right time to tell you that you're a bad cat mom or when did you want me it's a to little it's that? a little too late i'm now a bad <laughs> cat geriatric mom um i dressed her up i stressed her out and then i left her in a room with no food That's water or so awful <laughs> it's the worst thing i've ever heard i thought i thought she was hiding i thought we were yeah. playing a game no yeah i felt i felt really like i felt like awesome because we had this like really fun party and you know, all my friends, like it was a sweet 16, sweet 36. So it was a little bit about me, but it was mostly like everything was cat themed. It was really silly. And I was feeling like all really grateful that my friends accept how ridiculous I am. And then I woke up thinking I stressed my cat out into death and mm. uh, 
No, they you just ruined it for me. You just put her in isolation. <laughs> I did. I like she died alone. I was like, you should have enjoyed this. Not understanding, not understanding what she did to you. I wore, I wore the, dress the dress for her and everything, and I still got punished. God, that I'm, breaks my heart. I'm actually sad. I really confused her. We're doing okay. Um, but here's the information I actually wanted was where did yeah. you go to dinner? Oh, this ramen place in my neighborhood. I want to take you. It's really good. Yeah. yeah no, because uh, um, Carmen came and she it was me, Chris, and Carmen. We were roommates uh, years ago. Apartment C3, motherfuckers. Yeah, so we had an apartment C3 reunion. We all went out after everybody left. We all went out to dinner and got ramen. It was awesome. Um, I'm so distracted by how tan you are. I noticed that. <laughs> Because like right now our little our little cubes are next to each other and I'm like, I, I uh, I'm sorry about that. I well, here's the thing, it looks great, but it's just it's affecting my I'm, emotional stability. I'm Egyptian, so that's it's just hard to not be this tan. But the problem is, is the buses haven't been working, so I've been I'm waiting walking. outside in the sun. <laughs> Or walking. I walked it yesterday and today I just waited for like 10 minutes and then another 10 minutes. So I'm just, I'm just waiting for the bus and I got my tan. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I just bus feel tan. like a before and after picture now that I, we have the same haircut. I just <laughs> we have the same haircut. I'm joking. You have my haircut. You part it differently. My hair looks perfect yesterday, by the way. I have pictures. Oh, I can't wait to see them. I have do you ever pictures. Do, that? do you ever do that? I was on stage and they were like a small crowd. They were probably like maybe like 12 people, but they were really good. But like one joke just kind of didn't hit the right way. And I was like, hey, real talk. My hair looks perfect. So you need to be perfect. Like we <laughs> need, like you don't get these very often. And I took pictures. So that takes a little pressure off you. But unless one of us is going to make out, you need to be a stellar audience. So this hair isn't wasted. And they were like, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. There was like two girls with curly hair and they're like, this is a respectful uh, uh, suggestion and we get it. Yeah. Just um, before we move on, just check your volume just real quick. I'm sure it's at maximum level. Like, I okay. We've only been doing this for over a year. It's, it's, I, I just, can, I don't it'll take know. some time. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, the weather's gotten better. I, I actually enjoyed uh, New Material Night the other day. I was like, I, that, I, I really love those. Yeah, I was really excited about that because like, um, I didn't do, I did maybe two lines that I'd previously written, but everything else was sort of, was new. And it what was fun. New Material it, Night? Was it, it at was a Top new Secret? No, it was an Aces and Eights bar pub. Okay. Um, and it was just a new show. It was the first one. And uh, I just, it was just one of those, like, they were on board with everything. And so, like, every little facial expression I made, they were just on it. And so I felt free. I was like, I can just kind of ad lib and my personality came out a bit more. And I just was like, this is why I do comedy. This is fun, you know? Yeah. Because I was going to say, even when you kill it top secret, sometimes it's just like, it's just the room. I don't know if they put laughing gas in this place. But it doesn't like feel great. But aces and eights, I've I've bombed out a lot. So this one, I was like, okay, like there's no like guarantee. Some rooms you can just guarantee you'll get laughs. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the ice house. Is there any room like that in New York? I guess stand up New York maybe. The original cellar. So because the cellar now owns Village Underground and Fat Black, the yeah. original cellar is like the it's like the perfect size and the perfect setup. It's like probably a hundred, 110 people. It's in a basement. Everybody's kind of, eh. mm -hmm. um, there's something about that room. That's just always perfect. Um, then also it's like where you feel comfortable. So like New York comedy club is like my home club. So the original New York comedy club, which is on 24th and the second or whatever. Um, even when I don't do well, I'm like, I just still feel myself. Like I do well more often. It doesn't matter if it's sold out or small. Like I just feel, and I think that's also the relationship I have with the owner and the booker and the staff. Like I just feel um, untouchable. I don't know. Yeah. If that's yeah. Yeah. Great. No, that makes sense. But new material nights is what I miss the most during the pandemic. And I think that's why I ended up doing that zoom diner show because it is, 
the best feeling when you're like, this might be a dumpster fire of thoughts, but I just need to put it out there. And then you get even just one laugh or you get a laugh from something you didn't expect. And you're like, Oh, am I a genius? Like, it's just the best. <laughs> I know. And then you're like, do I put that joke out there? Cause that's the best it's going to get. Or do I hone it over the years and then put it out later? Cause sometimes the first time you say a joke is like, just so there's magic that then it'll then like lose its magic. And then after a while, you'll have shaped it into what you want it to be. But that first time. It's the unfiltered, I don't know where this is going. I think everybody feels it. Like you feel it. You're like, I don't even know what's coming out of my mouth. And they're like, I can't believe she said that. And like, there's this like (laughs) rawness that everyone in the room feels. And then when you start honing it, you feel like you go backwards. Like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I fucking took too much out or I gave too much information or I look scared somehow. And then eventually I start to like figure out my footing from all the different shows where I just talked out of my ass. And then eventually it's better than the original. Because the original, even though it's that unfiltered joke, I'm like all over the place. It's longer than it has to be. Like Mm -hmm. I, I headlined in Brooklyn and I've been doing this the last not year, but like before the pandemic. And whenever I headlined a show and it's my audience, I'd ask like, can I just do a couple of new things at the end? So like, I'll just do like two or three jokes that are like, maybe I've tried a couple of times, but they're really like raw and unfinished just to get like a read on them because these people already like me. So maybe I will be Mm -hmm. less scared. Like it's really about a test of myself, which is sometimes you do new material and you're so scared that you're just like, they're only going to see my new stuff. And what if they don't like me? And what if everything they believe in me is true? And like, you just kind of get in your head and then you're like, these people just saw an hour of good comedy. Maybe if, if it bombs, it's really bad. And if it does well, maybe there's hope. And I did a like five minute joke about how much I hate dentists and about going to the dentist. Um, and it's like, there's some stuff that needs to be worked out clearly. And some stuff that's like been said already and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I'm so grateful whenever I can just like have a thought and then just dump it immediately and get Mm -hmm. a real read on it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say anyway. Um, announcements, announcements. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, we have weekly bonuses for all our patrons. Um, so if you give to us, thank you. We appreciate you. Um, we have weekly bonuses. We have monthly bonuses. Uh, we give away stickers. Uh, you can control our Googles. You can be a Google guest. Uh, there's tons of bonuses. So um, if you're not already a patron, you would go to patreon.com slash two non-doctors. And thank you for everybody that already supports us. Follow us on the socials. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Non Doctors, the number two full word doctors, and Instagram at Two Non DRS. Um, and if you have a chance and you can, please leave us a rate and review because it helps us get seen. Uh, it helps us feel great. We share it on our socials. Uh, we get really excited for to hear nice things. Um, and is there? Do I say anything else? No. Okay. You did great job. Nailed it. Um, and then, of course, Maria brought up that uh, my book should hopefully be coming out in the UK soon. It's been extremely delayed, um, but uh, hopefully you'll get it soon. And then everybody that hasn't bought my book in the US. Go get it. It's doing well. Make it do weller. Yeah, I stand by that. Um, and then coming up soon in July, me and Maria will be at Arlington Draft House. So July 9th and 10th. Come see us. Then I'm in Cleveland, July 31st. And then I have a bunch of other dates. Everything is at lizmealy.com. Yeah. Um, I'll be around the UK. Check me out at mariashahada.com. Okay. Fan mail. I'm very excited about our fan mail. Me too. It's about misophonia. Uh, yeah. Um, can, I, can I read it or you want to read it? You know, I want you to read it. Okay, cool. And then I want to pull up the article. Okay. Um, so this is from Bob. He says, Liz and Maria or Maria and Liz don't know who gets top billing. It's Maria and Liz. Yeah, I've listened course. to your podcast since you started. I find your topics and humor interesting and entertaining. When Maria mentioned misophonia a few months back, it was something I never knew existed. Today I came across the article in the Guardian newspaper about misophonia. Seems uh, neuroscientists have discovered a possible explanation why it exists. And then he links it. Aside to Liz, I first heard you had a couple years ago. Hold on. 
sorry, aside to Liz, I first heard of you a couple of years ago when you were in Australia. You were on the Probably Science podcast when they were visiting Australia too. Been following you ever since and not as weird stalkery way. Lol. Thanks uh, both for the laughs. Hope to be at both of your shows, your live shows one day when normalcy returns. All the best, Bob. Um, before we get into misophonia, Probably Science podcast is awesome. Matt Kirshen, who uh, uh, a British comic that lives in uh, the UK. Do you know him? Yeah, I did the I did the probably science podcast. Oh, what was yours about? Bob. <laughs> Bob, maybe I actually don't remember. Up. It was 2016. Uh, I did it with um, Nick Dixon, and yeah. I don't remember what we talked about. Honestly, I was probably an absolute moron. But... Oh, I absolutely was a moron too. That was like the best part about it. But I happened to he was they were doing an Australian tour, and we happened to be in, I think. Sydney the same time and then we ended up being in Brisbane the same time and actually he's friends with Sarah Milliken and I had we've been friendly on the internet but I never got to meet her in person and then Sarah Milliken was uh headlining in Brisbane and the first night I didn't have shows so basically I went and did their podcast in Brisbane and then we all went and watched Sarah Milliken um at a theater and then we all got um food with Sarah after that's awesome it was like just an awesome night but um that podcast probably science so funny, so smart. Um, so a uh, random plug. Um, I read this article that you sent, Bob. It's awesome. It's so. I it was, was like, informative. I'd never heard of that before. Like, um, um, well, can I read this little passage and then we can kind of talk about it? Just real quick, if you don't know what misophonia is, it's um, like a neurological disorder where certain sounds like trigger, um, triggering sounds like gum chewing, whistling, knee tapping, like movements that can be like hair twirling, repetitive things. Uh, can send somebody into a rage. Like they have an abnormal negative response to these sounds. And, and, and I have uh, it. Yeah, and Marie's got it. Marie, Marie has it. So if you, um, if for some reason you missed it, our first episode goes into misophonia in depth. And we've, we've talked about it here and there as we continue to know more information. But we like to think we're the people that are really breaking it and putting it into the zeitgeist. Um, not the scientists. Not the scientists. They're doing almost nothing. Okay, so in this, <laughs> in this article, um, I wrote some notes. Okay, so now brain scans performed by researchers at Newcastle University have revealed that people with misophonia have stronger connectivity between the part of the brain that processes sounds and the part of the so-called premotor cortex, which handles mouth and throat muscle movements. Um, okay. What we are suggesting is that in misophonia, is that in misophonia, the trigger sounds activates the motor area, even though the person is only listening to the sound. It makes them feel like the sounds are intruding into them. That like blew my goddamn mind. So the way I interpreted that is that you hear gum chewing, and it's not just that it's an annoying sound to you, that the whatever motor skills that would be gum chewing it somehow activates it in your mouth and throat and it feels like someone's like almost making you do something that you don't want to do, or it's just agitating that area of your body. Like it's like a literal physical reflex to hearing something the same way that like, um, you know how like you'll hold bacon in front of a dog and they'll just start salivating, even though they don't have it in their mouth. Like they're already like, like it's almost like this weird physical hyper empathetic, right? Yeah, it said, yeah, hyper mirroring is what it, they call oh, it. Oh, hyper mirroring. The yeah. thing is, is that like, I don't, I don't know that I'm like, I need to chew gum. Like I, it's not, it's kind of misleading in that way, but like, it does feel like it's inside my brain. Like it's, it's, I can't, and it, it and it takes over. Like, I can't think of just focus on anything else. Cause I, I, I and I might just be like, like, just to like, get, like, get rid of it. But yeah. it, I mean, you can't get rid of it, but like, uh, it's when the noise stops the feeling of like there's so much relief yeah because it just feels like it's just seized my brain because i think that's where it's when it says it's an abnormal response like i remember like we've talked about it you'll be like oh my god that guy's chewing like an animal and i'm like who and they're like over there you know what i mean and they're just chewing normally and i would have never noticed it in a million years and i, and I, I want to vomit i'm like oh god like and it's always it's for a split second too just someone on tv or you know just just for a second i just see someone chewing and i'm like oh <laughs> but 
did anything in that article feel like a aha moment or was it just kind of like, oh, that's an interesting perspective, but I don't know. No, it was, uh, it was interesting, but I don't know because, okay. um, I, I don't know. I do feel like it's a little misleading. Like it's like you have to repeat back what you're seeing. That's what mirroring kind of suggests to me. Yeah. But I think from them saying, because it scans, I saw it as all unconscious. So if it was conscious, you would know it, but because they have to do scans and they're finding it from these scans, the way I saw it is that it's a unconscious thing that your, your body is responding to that, um, I didn't see it as you physically having to chew or whatever. It's just that your body is, I don't know. I can't. I know okay, what you're saying. It, I know what so you're saying. Like, it's like, it's activating the part of your brain, but it's not actually moving your mouth. Ex exactly. The same way that like, sometimes they say these like sugar substitutes can be worse or not worse, but like not good for you because it's like activating sweet, like whatever, like, like it's telling you something sweet's going to come. And then, there's no insulin response or there's no, I'm butchering this. This is not the right way of saying this, but there, it can be um, mess with your stomach or it can mess with your body when there's the taste of something sweet, but it doesn't have the insulin response, which people are like, isn't that what, isn't that what's great by, you know, artificial sweeteners or whatever, but it's like now it's tricking it in a different way. So I wonder if there's just, there's something about your brain that is getting so agitated because it's being tricked. Yeah. But I just, I mean, I've done a ton of research and clearly I know a bunch of it just from my experiences with you, but it was like the first time I read an article and I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah, no, it was definitely fascinating. And it was fine. It was fine to finally see. It was nice to finally see an article that wasn't just like, isn't it crazy that yeah. they just can't hear this sound, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and just be like, scientists don't know, but lots of people have it. And, you know, your gum chewing might be annoying the person next to you to the point where they're going to stab you in the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not a psychopath. I wouldn't actually. Uh, but we'll put the, we'll put the link of the article in the uh, description. Um, so if anybody's interested, cause it was, it was really good. So we appreciate you, Bob, because. And garden guardian. Thanks. And Bob. guardian. Cause we like learning here at two non-doctors. Thank you. Scientists. Yeah. We don't know anything. We just learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, Want to get into Google's? Yeah. What'd you Google Maria? I Googled, um, why do, why do blisters form? So, uh, I, I was walking yesterday instead of taking the bus. Cause like I said, the buses are all messed up. So I, I like walked, uh, for a long time yesterday. Um, and then, you know, I was wearing like sandals and, and the side of my foot had formed a blister, which is nothing new. I mean, you get blisters all the time. I didn't want to pop it and put a bandaid on it. But I was like, what, what, what are, what are they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? Why are they is what I wanted to know. And so mm -hmm. basically, um, because there's so much, I mean, there's obviously there's different kinds of blisters. I wanted to know about mine, which was the friction one. So I got it because okay. of the friction and basically to, to keep the skin from further harm and to protect it while it heals itself, your body like forms this like blister with fluid in it to protect you while you heal and to keep you from doing that more. So like, Oh, yeah, it like forms like bubble wrap, like human bubble wrap. <laughs> it is. It's nature's bubble wrap. Yeah. I like that. I just, I guess it, it just made me like, hate it less. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're just, it, there's something fascinating about your body where you're just like, like I always, you know, we're not lizards. Like we can't like cut off a limb and then like grow another one, but it is pretty amazing that you cut yourself and then more skin forms in it. And you're like, I mean, that's pretty crazy, but um, yeah, I always get frustrated because there, it's just so painful. And then you have this like bubble thing over it. And my mom always taught me to pop it and let it dry out. Um, mm. but, but also that's not fun, but you don't, you should never peel back the, the skin or whatever. Why? Like, What's the difference between that and popping it? Because then you just, because then you just have an open wound. <sighs> so if you, how do you pump, pop it? Oh, because otherwise it's just. It's, it's with like a needle. Yeah. So I would pop it with a needle. So it's just like, like a, the smallest holes. But where are you getting a needle? Is it a sewing needle, a safety pin? What kind of needle? So I used to, because I used to go to this Chinese medicine woman, she made me buy all these little, very, very thin, like gauges. Like, uh, hold on. Hold on I, well, you don't have to show me. I can, I can imagine it. Yeah. It's just like, cause she would have me like kind of do bleeding 
as like a form of Chinese medicine on my ear. I don't know if it worked or not, but I was in a desperate place and I just did it. So I actually have all these like sterilized, very, very thin, like I can't, like you barely bleed. For the regular community, Liz, what would you do? Would you use a safety pin or, an, or like a sewing needle? A safety needle? pin, but I would like sterilize it. Like I would put rubbing alcohol or something on yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I just um, wanted to know if that, that would be enough. But what I have know? is like super, super thin. And then I would just get all the, the liquid out and then I would um, put a Band-Aid over it so it doesn't continue to get agitated. But at night, I would make sure it dries. Because you don't want to keep a Band-Aid on it or it never really heals. So then at night, you just let it dry out. Sorry. Just, just but you don't want to, like, the worst thing you can like do is... Like a rip. blister in the sun, let me go out. We don't have the royalties <laughs> for this. Um, can't I can't this. wait to get sued by the violent femmes. The is that what it, okay. Um, but... Um, um, but yeah, you don't want to, I just knew you, I just know if you never want to take off that layer because then you just have an open wound, which will allow you to get infected and stuff like that. I don't know if that's really what you should be doing, but that's what my mom always taught me. Okay. Well, so that's that. I mean, I'm letting it be, I'm letting it be for now. Like hopefully it's, um, it'll just kind of go away. Do, do blisters just go away? Yeah. They just can't continue to get agitated. So usually you stop wearing you know, you put a bandaid over like some, like I have like blister band-aids because, um, I don't tie my shoes. So I get a lot of blisters. <laughs> it's like a yeah. weird thing to say and be like, I'm irresponsible with my footwear. So I just, got a lot of <laughs> band-aids. um, but I, um, uh, I clearly will change my shoe. So it's not a pressing on it and agitating it more, but B, um, put a bandaid on it so it can heal and not get agitated. Okay. Like a real doctor, Would you right? Google? Um, or mom. Is laser whitening bad for your teeth? I didn't even know laser whitening was a thing. I went to the dentist for the first time in five years. And I was just on their website because I was just trying to figure out how much this cleaning was going to cost. Like I haven't had a cleaning in five years. And I'm like, I just wanted to know how much money am I about to spend? And then I discovered on their website that they had laser whitening. And I wasn't even thinking about it for myself. Like I used to do those whitening strips like 10 years ago and I had to stop because I mean, like I, the most painful thing to happen to me, like it just, I have, I don't know if there's something wrong with my teeth or if that's just normal, but like teeth hurt, gums hurt. And it was for days. I couldn't sleep. It was so painful. And I had done them and I think like high school and it was fine, but somewhere in college. And I also, now I have really sensitive gums where I have to use hippie toothpaste and blah, blah, blah. But like, so I haven't whitened my teeth probably since I was like 22. I think they're fine. Sometimes I don't think they're fine. I don't know. But I was just oh, curious. They, they still look good. Like I'm, cause you did have yellower teeth way back when. Yeah, and, I did. Um, that's probably from all the sugar you were eating. I don't know why sugar turns your teeth yellow, but that's just, that was my assumption. I don't know, but I did like, I noticed that they were like, not great. And I whitened them maybe like five times when I was in college, but somewhere the last two were like a level of painful that I'll never do again. And so to the point where like, when I see the over the counter ones and they're like, what well, doesn't cause like sensitivity? I was like, I don't trust you um, <laughs> at all. So then I was like, oh, maybe laser whitening is different when I, and I had never heard of it. I had literally stumbled across it on the website it doesn't seem different. So it says, so then I was just like, is it bad for you? Is it safe? Whatever. It says teeth whitening um, may restore the color of your teeth by removing the surface staining, but it doesn't bleach it. Um, and then it said, and then it said laser whitening. All it is is concentrated bleaching gel that they heat using lasers. So I was like, so confused. It was like very misleading. And then it says the bleaching gel is just general, general peroxide paste. And then it can cause tooth sensitivity and minor gum, ir gum irritation. And it just says it's less abrasive on um, less abrasive enamel wear. But like, it just kind of sounded like a more professional version of the over-the-counter stuff. Don't they have the tooth whitening stuff where you can actually paint it onto your tooth? Because the problem with the strips is they'll go, it's everything. It's your tongue, yeah. it's your gums. Um, if you, you have the actual like painted on stuff, and then I think you can use a tray or cover it after that. Um, it kind of minimizes how much it touches your gums. Yeah. And I looked into that bite, which I haven't used, you know, bite has those, um, it's like 
almost looks like a little pill and you bite down on it, you brush your teeth. It's basically a way to not have plastic waste. So it's like, and it's not a like a, like a yeah, you haven't seen that? Maybe no. the UK doesn't have it. They now have all these knockoffs. Brush their teeth, yeah, <laughs> generalization yeah. from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all it is is like this kind of like, like I'm just gonna call it a pill, but it's not a pill, but it's just like, um, I'll just say pill. So you put it in your mouth, you bite down on it, your saliva kind of makes it, and then you brush your teeth that way. Therefore, you're not using like a tube. It's not um, um, contributing to waste or whatever. But they had, I saw, I haven't used it yet. Pellets. What about the word pellet? Pellet. Um, how pellet many, <laughs> did you get, do you get like a bag of them? Like these you get like a glass, tablets? You get a glass bottle and then going forward, they just send you more and you just keep refilling your glass bottle or glass. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I haven't tried it. I mean, I read a bunch of reviews. Some people are like best thing ever. Some people are like never again. Um, but they had that little piece, that little whitening, whatever. I'm really scared to even try anything to whiten my teeth. Cause it was that painful of an experience 10 years ago. And that makes sense. my teeth have clearly gotten more sensitive because I cannot use anything other than like hippy dippy toothpaste. The good news is, is your teeth are white. So like, I don't really think you need it. Um, okay. That makes me feel better. But yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, everything has lasers now. <laughs> That's really what I've discovered. It's like yeah. laser hair removal, laser eye surgery, laser whitening. I'm just like, I'm a little scared of lasers. I know. I feel like, I feel like guys are like, can't wait to have lasers in the future. <laughs> wait. Yeah. And, this is, and then women are like, we've been thinking. using that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's get personal. Mm-hmm. Drink water. I had a throat tickle. Okay. I feel bad because like one of our first episodes, I told you never to drink on this show. Oh, and it I causes was, me great anxiety. But you were, I know, and I feel terrible about that. I actually really feel bad. And then, but it was just like you were drinking it, like sipping every few seconds. You know what I mean? And I was, and I was editing it. And, and it was I'm causing sorry. you editing distress. It's fine. I love you. I make adjustments. But we do have an episode on emotional abuse and I will be bringing it up. that's fair um okay let's get personal Uh uh-huh um big question it's gonna really i think it's really gonna tear our audience apart as probably as well as us creamy or crunchy peanut butter creamy obviously always always i actually got really mad because i got crunchy peanut butter on accident the other day and i was like what? i'm never gonna eat this like peanut butter lasts forever anyway <laughs> just throwing things i gave it to my flatmate but i was like i'm just she's like are you sure and i was like i'm not going to touch it <laughs> <laughs> oh you look accidentally bought it i don't understand how you accidentally got I said i accidentally bought it because it was one of those hippy dippy brands so there wasn't like the the red cap or the blue cap like in the most obvious way. And so I was too busy paying attention to the ingredients that I wasn't paying attention to crunchy or creamy and I got crunchy and it, Couldn't you just like re-grind it? Like- Why would I, what? Like, don't you have like a, like a mixer or anything? Like a- um... Muffin, it's three pounds. Gonna fucking sit there and blend peanut butter. (laughs) Three pounds. I don't- Give it a gift. It's a gift. (laughs) That's my mistake. If you don't um, like it, that's insane to me. So I think in general, I like crunchy things and Mm -hmm. I like stuff. Like, I think the reason I like sprinkles or toppings or, you know, I just like crunchiness. So for, if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, crunchy, crunchy peanut butter all the way. Mm -hmm. But like, if I'm like, I used to make, like, I used to cut up an apple and dip it in peanut butter. That has to be creamy. I, the, the apple's already crunchy. I don't need a second crunch. You don't That's need something rivaling crunch. the crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not crazy. I just want to say that I get the crunchy, the texture thing, uh, in other things. I don't, for whatever reason. And I think it's just, maybe I grew up on creamy and I, I've been loyal You're to raised it. wrong. <laughs> one way to put it um no I was raised perfectly I'm amazing and I don't know I just grew up with it and I just don't but I don't I crunchy just fucking ruins my day like every bite I'm like ah it's it's just too it's too pokey pokes you as and for what for a peanut flavor peanut flavor isn't that good the sugar is good and the sugar mixed with the salt is good and the nuttiness is third 
I don't okay, need it so taking over. Candy bars that have peanuts in them or are cr- they're okay. They're fine. I'm not in love with them, but they're fine. Okay. So my new favorite thing is, so you, I'm sure people already know, cause I bring it up probably almost every episode. I love holiday themed Reese's cups, not Reese's oh, yeah, cups. No. They have to be holiday themed. It has to be a pumpkin. It has to be a heart. It has to be a Christmas tree. They're fresher. I'll fight anybody on this on this fucking topic. And the peanut butter to chocolate ratio is more acceptable. So much better. Mm. So much better. But they this tried to year, make a crunchy one. Yeah. They put Reese's pieces in the holiday themed thing. So it gives it a crunch. I love them. Oh. But see, Reese's pieces aren't peanuts. So actually I would I don't know if I'd mind that. But it's so the way I interpret it is it's the it's because all it is, it's Reese's pieces are just you know, kind of M&M's with peanut butter in it. So it's that chocolatey shell or whatever, but it's another crunch. Yeah, I'll that's fine. When you I like it. Please do. Uh, I like, I like that crunch. Like, I gotta tell you, like the, the peanut, um, because it's, it's, um, it, there's no payoff because there's no sugar in the peanut, the sugar in the Reese's, you know, uh, it's just a, it's just an it's actual. Texture. Yeah, but I like crunch. So, oh, have you ever had like a BLT, bacon, lettuce, tomato, but the lettuce is mixed greens? Like foofy places used to try that shit. Yeah, and it's not the same. Maybe in the early 2000s and you can't, mm -mm. yeah, because you need the crunch of the iceberg. You need the iceberg. I like a crunch. I can totally understand that. I just don't like crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. I'll fix you. I'll fix you. Okay. We're like, right in about why Marie is wrong about crunchy peanut butter. I actually think more I'm, people are on your side. No, I think more people like crunchy peanut butter. Really? I always I feel like find I'm the alone stats, in my creamy like what peanut sells butter. butter. It clearly is down the line because no company, no company would spend the money on both if there was like some kind of incongruity. And every peanut butter, whether it's a foofy high end or like it's Jif or whatever, all of them make both crunchy and creamy and nobody yes. would make that many variations if it was like 90% of people were creamy and there's just like, tw- you know, 10%. Yeah, definitely. So there's got to be a real, I divide of a real divide. I think we'll find out. I also think I'm going to post it on my Insta stories just to see, just to get, by the way, I did that with sponges. So counter sponge, not counter sponge. Like do you use a separate sponge for dishes um, for the counter than you do for dishes? And so the one option was, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm not a course. fucking monster. And the other one was, no, why? Why would I do that? And like, it was down the middle. No. Who's using yeah. dishes on their counters? Are you insane? <laughs> of course. <laughs> There's like hair, like my flatmate wall, and there is hair on the sponge. I swear to God, she uses it on the floor. And I have to take a picture and be like, can we do separate, please? Because I keep throwing these away. It's no. gross. No, no. No, luckily my roommates don't clean. So I don't have that issue. (laughs) That is the perfect segue into our, what is it? Topic? Yeah. Our topic. Um, Our topic this week is um, emotional abuse, which what's interesting is all the research that was online is all romantic, like not romantic. I don't want to call it romantic emotional abuse, but it's all partner, like romantic partner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, domestic violence. Like, so there's, so, and you know, there's clearly physical domestic violence, but the very little talked about the emotional abuse that is either, you know, entwined with the physical violence and, or is its own detriment that even if somebody doesn't ever hit you or abuse you, they're still controlling you and hurting you and harming you. But I think between the two of us, we have been in situations where there's been emotional abuse with friends, coworkers, what have you. And it's like, it's so interesting. I mean, clearly if you dig and dig and dig, you'll find something, but it's always concentrated on, um, also there's parental, you know, emotional abuse, but, but it's completely concentrated on the romantic relationship. Like that's the one that, that uh, is more, uh, kind of talked about, but, um, what I find interesting is you always think of what you think emotional abuse is. And then as you dig into it, you're like, holy shit. Like there's so many different things that you just, I don't know if it's because I came from an abusive household. There's so many things in my adult life. I just accepted. And then it's taken like therapy and reading and 
friends for me to be like, oh yeah, that's, you don't treat people like that. That's yeah. That's not okay. It's, it's interesting what you can find out and like, go, oh, I didn't have to deal with that because I was actually okay to separate myself from that situation or, um, you know, in a past relationship, it was like emotionally abusive and I wasn't, I got, it got to the point where I was Googling whether or not something was normal and everybody's like, no, that's not normal. And you're like, I mean, my, my judgment is so skewed right now, you know, but that's how it, that's how it works is that they, they basically make it so your own, like you start to doubt your own feelings and, and, and logic so that you, luckily the internet exists. Can you imagine being in an abusive relationship in like the nineties, you know, yeah. where you're, where like, you're scared to bring it up with friends. You don't know how to talk to people about it. It's, you know, more inaccessible. I even wonder, like, I'll, I'll give the abuse hotline at the end, but like, when was that invented? Like, when did they have this national 24 uh, seven abuse hotline or domestic violence hotline? But here are just some examples, just so people kind of understand what is under the um, uh, context of emotional abuse. There's verbal abuse, makes sense. Yelling, uh, insulting you, swearing at you. Rejection, so constantly, some, somebody constantly rejecting your thoughts, ideas, and opinions. Uh, gaslighting, we've talked about that a fair amount, but making you doubt your own feelings and, um, and thoughts, uh, just even your own sanity. And so you start not being able to differentiate what is the truth or not. Um, then you have put downs, calling you names, telling you that you're stupid, publicly embarrassing you, blaming you for everything. Uh, public humiliation is also a form of social abuse. Um, causing fear, making you feel afraid, intimida- uh, in- uh, intimidation or threatening you. Isolation, limiting your freedom of movement, stopping you from contacting people such as friends and family, stopping you from doing just like normal activities. So uh, social events, sports, school, work. Isolating also can overlap with social abuse. Then uh, I thought this was interesting. Financial abuse, controlling or withholding your money, preventing you from working um, or studying, stealing from you. Uh, again, financial abuse is considered a form of domestic violence. Then there's uh, bullying and intimidating. So purposely and repeatedly saying um, or doing something that is, ten- is intended to hurt you. So, and there's tons, tons, tons more, but it's kind of, I think what's also hard is that oftentimes all of this stuff is hidden. So people talk with violence that, you know, They'll try to hit you in places that can be covered up. Also, you're embarrassed. So you might, you know, wear long sleeves or what have you. But uh, emotional abuse, it can all be done behind closed doors. Like oftentimes they're not criticizing you in front of others. And they're even pulling you away from your friends and family so that less and less you have the ability to say to a friend, hey, you know, this person's been really mean to me or this person makes me feel scared or, or what have you. But I think it's the uh, constant attack on your self-esteem and your confidence and your belief in yourself that what eventually starts out as like, this doesn't feel good starts to be like, I deserve this or Mm. they're right. And then you, you stop even knowing that this is, you stop being able to even differentiate that this is abuse as opposed to what, you know, we all make mistakes and, and people be like, Hey, I didn't appreciate that. But eventually when everything you do is wrong and, and, and how someone brings these things up is, is abusive. It's yeah. It's interesting. Cause it can, it, it, it is like um, relationships are the most obvious one because of the closest relationships, but then, you know, like um, friendships, uh, flatmates, roommates, whatever, like it's hard to tell what is somebody's, if somebody is like narcissistic, is that, emotional abuse in the end or is it just narcissistic personality disorder well okay so that's one of the things i kind of looked up like why would somebody treat somebody like this how does how does somebody become emotionally abusive so you know it's everything as we talked about stems from childhood um so it could be the way you raised your kid which is that they always get their way so when they become an adult they don't understand why they're not getting their way and they become abusive because I, what I always got what I wanted. Why is this, why is this person in my life not giving me what I wanted? So some of it is genuinely a spoiled child becomes a shitty adult. Like, and you know, how many, <laughs> yeah. how many times have parents said that, that like you're making a shitty human. Um, then it could be that they're just 
they watch their parents be verbally abusive to each other and they're taught love is verbal abuse. So then it's just you raise them around verbal abuse. Then uh, a family could glorify power and violence. So if they already um, show that this is how you handle things, why would you think otherwise? This is how, if I want something, I yell at somebody. If I want something, I bully somebody. Uh, parental neglect, I think, which we've even talked about can um, cause um, um, narcissistic personality and other personality disorders. So uh, parental uh, neglect is a form of child abuse and that child abuse can manifest into um, different types of disorders and mental illness. General low self-esteem, I think we say it all the time, people that hurt, hurt people, hurt people. So, you know, I try to remember that whenever somebody is shitty online, which is there's an, a, enough of a, a space that it doesn't always, it's not as clearly as scary as a, a relationship. But I always try to remember that this person is being shitty to me because they don't like themselves, but they don't have an outlet um, the way I do. And they're trying to put me down so that they can feel better about themselves. And that happens often in relationships. Um, general immaturity, that actually kind of made me laugh. They're just like, some people just have a low IQ and that's, they literally handle things like a child. Like they're yeah. having tantrums as an adult, which is like, okay. It's then they said like personality disorders. So there can be a correlation between narcissistic and physical and emotional abuse. So there's tons of different personality disorders that would manifest that way. Narcissism is one of them. Then just impulse control. And then genetically, some people are just shitty. <laughs> uh, I feel like you're the scientist and you've covered all your bases and now oh, you're get, ready to take questions. <laughs> I, get, I get really dorky into my research where I'm like, this is fast. I can't wait to talk to my friend about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do, I think as somebody, you know, we've both had narcissistic people in our lives in different contexts, I think in the beginning, in the beginning, and they're very charming. That's what's crazy about it is like, even in looking at this, nobody's who gets in a relationship. I mean, I don't want to say nobody, if you were raised in an abusive household, maybe that's seems normal to you. And that's often why somebody is in that. But for the most part, they're not shitty in the beginning. You're everybody's on their best behavior. Everybody's putting, you know, some filter over their personality and who they are. And that's why a lot of relationships end three months in, six months in, a year in, because you can only hold that facade for so long. But sometimes when you fall in love with somebody, you have a deep connection with somebody, you have financial ties to somebody, whatever it is, you're too far along. And then, you know, the fucking filter falls off. And now you're in this abusive situation. But sometimes if it's like a combination of like you're, there's some kind of emotional attachment, there might be a financial or physical attachment, and then they crush your self-esteem and your confidence to the point where you're not sure if, if you could ever find anybody that cares about you or they convince you that nobody else is going to care about you and they're the only ones even though they're being hurtful and shitty. I think what's really hard is, and I think everybody kind of goes through this phase, just like you were saying earlier about like, Googling, like, is this normal? I think at some point you, there's a thought in the back of your head where you're like, I feel shitty all the time. Yes. And I remember a time where I didn't feel right. shitty and this person wasn't there. Like that's the first connection. Yeah. So I think that's what I was going to say. It was like, it's hard to pinpoint exactly sometimes with like, particularly like manipulative people, exactly what it is, is that's the problem because it's a tiny, it's a bunch of tiny little things yes. that add up. And then you go, I guess I could just let that go. Cause it's not worth the fallout that will happen if I say anything. Yeah. So you just let things go and let things go and they'll push and push and push until finally you're just like, I'm not going to let this go. And then their reaction becomes like, what is this about? Like, what, why are you treating me like this? It was just such a small thing. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, it's like, not a small thing. It's yeah. not a, you know, and, and then that's the crazy thing. And I've talked about this before. Like you'll see a girl on the street screaming at her boyfriend, just screaming. And you as an outsider is like, what a monster, like what a bitch. <laughs> no, every but then goes, I, I always think <laughs> yeah. what happened that she's now screaming, you know what yeah. I mean? Like what pushed and pushed and pushed that she now doesn't care that she's a mad woman screaming on the streets. 
And that if it really was reverse, it was just a girl being pushed and pushed and pushed to the point where yeah. she broke. And I'm but not saying ev- that's a general. But everything is like, you know, with, with some people, everything is just, just under the surface, kind of like, that's fucked up, I think. Right? Yeah. And then there's always plausible deniability. Well, all I meant was this, or all I, the, all this was doing was this, and yeah. just absolute innocent intentions. But and then and so you're feeling a, like gaslit, and like you're like, why do I feel? But like, why do I hate this person? Or why do I feel bad? Or why do I feel like I can't, I'm scared? And then why am I always walking on eggshells? Why do I feel like yes. I can't be myself? Why can't? Why do I feel like I can't bring something up? Like, hey, um, did you drink the last of the milk? Something so in, yeah. innocuous and like. Anybody else, you could be like, oh man, I, I did drink it. I'm so sorry. I'll go get more or here's $3 or whatever. But like all of a sudden you're just like, oh no, I'm in a box of my, it feels like almost of my that own. That was an naked. actual thing that happened to me. I was like, is it, is this gone? And my flatmate was like, oh, I'm going to bring, I'm, I was going to buy more. And it's just like, she started yelling at me. I was like, I didn't ask you to drink the last of my milk. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why am I being yelled at for what happened to me? And I was just asking yeah. about it. That's the, that's the thing. And it, you know, you said it like the, the death of a time of a thousand cuts, like it's, it's something like nobody wants to be that nitpicky person. And I think also, I think a, abusive people find the right person to abuse, like we're people pleasers. We, we care what people think of us. So, you know, somebody will be like, Hey, you did this. And it was really fucked up. And you go, Oh, I didn't mean to. So sorry. And then they'll be like, Hey, you did this. And it really hurt my feelings. And you're like, I didn't intend to. So sorry. And the next thing you know, you're over here being like, what can I do? What am I yes. allowed to do? What am, Why is what, everything wrong? Everything I do is wrong. And then you start to be like, no one else puts me in this box. No one else makes me feel this way. No one else thinks I'm a horrible person, just this person. And that's when you start to kind of break free a little bit is where you're able to, and that's where it feels horrible. And that, I think that's really why they try to pull you away from friends and family, because if you don't have anybody else, there's nobody to compare it to. There's nobody to be like, Hey, my parents like me and my friends like me. You get to a point where you're like, I don't have anybody else. And this person loves me. And this person cares about me or this person, I need this person. But I don't know. I think there's something, um, it already feels lonely but then it just, it, the whole intent of it is to make you as uh, isolated and as lonely as possible and to constantly feel like I, I need to be in my box as you slowly close the window. Uh, I want to see if there's any other fun facts I have. Oh, but I had something kind of like, cause I, oh, yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out a situation I'm dealing with right now. with like why I always feel like, like I'm being pulled into a dramatic situation like three times in three days. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm just like, suddenly yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm having a nice evening with Johnny watching a movie or I'm having a nice evening out with my friend Evelyn. And then, but suddenly like I'm in my phone and I'm angry and I'm shaking and like my heart's racing. And I'm like, why do I keep feeling like this? And like, things keep getting brought up. Like, like demands are being made and she wouldn't call them demands. She was like, I'm just requesting. It's just a small ask, but it's like, yeah. And that's where the manipulation is. That's where the garbage is because you're going this is completely outside my boundaries and is not okay. And they're like, your boundaries are bullshit. Like your boundaries are so, you know what I mean? Like they're literally being like, your boundaries are just so wrong and are hurtful. And you're like, are they? These feel normal. But they literally make you question what feels comfortable to you and what feels normal to you. And like, we're all in a place where we're trying to grow and connect and whatever, but they literally make, turn this part of your brain where you're just like, Maybe I'm the wrong. Maybe I'm the the person yeah, that is that's, abusive. That, I, I'm, I'm I'm like calling you up, going, "Is it me? Am I? Is it or is it that? You know what I mean? Like I can't tell because yeah. I'm being made to feel yeah. like I'm an awful person because yeah. they're such a victim. So yeah. um, I was looking up the holistic psychologist. She was helpful with everything, and I found this like graphic between boundaries and demands. Yeah. And she's like, a boundary is a clear limit set based on our own needs. A demand is a command for how someone should behave. Because a boundary, um, a boundary is, hey, when you do this, it makes me uncomfortable. That's saying something you're doing is making me uncomfortable. A demand is you need to do this or there will be consequences. I like we're in conflict right now and like doors get slammed, stomping, stairs get stomped. Like, and it's just like, it's all really intimidating, even if we're not actually talking. Do you know what I mean? And also she's, they are trying to um, um, send a message 
that that their your life will be disturbed by not um, catering to my needs. Exactly. Um, and this I found really interesting in the description. She said, without clear boundaries, there's usually control and resentment. There are often demands. Demands come from a wounded space. When our needs are unmet for years or decades, we don't know how to objectively state our limits. We become demanding in an unconscious attempt to remain in control, to not get hurt. So it's like, while I can see like, that might be the root cause of everything. Like maybe it's just it, like the control is a need to not get hurt. Right. Yeah. Fine. Absolutely. But, um, and then uh, demands put another person on the defensive. Responsibility. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Talk you. No, it's fine. But that's exactly it. Demands put another person on the defensive. They also attract, um, they're active. It activates the nervous system, making the other person feel unsafe. So when we feel unsafe, we can't automatically authentically connect or communicate. And this is why when people make demands on us, we become so resistant. We can't actually hear what the person is feeling or needing. We just feel controlled. And that's yeah. how I feel. Cause it's just like, I can't even like, when you state something that makes you the victim, I don't go, Oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to you or whatever. I'm just hearing like, why are you using this to manipulate the way I, yeah, what I do. So, yeah. And also they take zero responsibility for how they feel. Yeah. So they might be insecure in the relationship. So they're trying to control it because they don't want you to leave or what have you, or they might feel um, insecure about their, themselves or what have you. And they, instead of dealing with those insecurities, they make other people feel shitty so they can feel a sense of superiority. Like it's always like, I don't feel good. I'm going to, I'm going to disperse that feeling onto someone else, or I'm going to control the situation to, uh, make sure that I don't feel this way anymore or limit the amount of times that I feel this way. But it's all like the change is, has to be over there. None of it is my responsibility or the abuser's responsibility. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I guess so. I'm not trying to say they're abusive, but um, it's emotionally annoying. <laughs> and I'm, it's abusive. Um, uh, but what I find helpful. And then I will, I will say what the domestic violence, like, you know, line is or whatever, but um, what I find is helpful and something to always think about is definitely reach out, you know, Google, this is where like, I think Google is the best Google stuff, get other people's opinions, get strangers opinions, get your friends opinions, reach out to family, like never keep how you're feeling to yourself. Because if you're feeling it, there's probably some validity to it. And the world will let you know that that's not normal. And the more you realize it's not normal, the more empowering it is, the more you can stick up for yourself or get out of that situation. That's so true, Liz. Like, like, just like validation from you, validation from other friends, because I'm just like, maybe I'm wrong. I guess I always think that I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to like stick up for myself if I'm wrong. And so it's like, but just hearing from other people, like, no, you're, you're not wrong. Then you go, yeah. okay. And it gives you a little bit and more confidence. They prey on that. They prey on that, that little voice inside you that's like, maybe it's me. And I'm just like, fucking no, it's not. Like I'm, I'm out there screaming at a phone. You're like, okay, you're, she can hear you. Um, <laughs> she wants to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My friend said, this isn't okay. <laughs> but clearly if there is a immediate fear of violence, you call, I mean, in the U S you call nine one one. What do you call in the UK? Nine, 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 I think. Yeah. I mean, for emergencies, it's nine, nine, nine. Makes more sense. Number. Doesn't it? Everywhere. Um, 999 does actually make more sense. 999. But, you know, call 911 in the U.S. And then also for the U.S., if it's not an immediate danger or you need somebody to talk to, um, the National Domestic Abuse Hotline is 800-799-7233. It's 24-7. And like I said, just talk to somebody like that's the biggest thing that you can do friends family google shit there's so many things on like reddit and chat boards or whatever that will help you understand because just even learning what gaslighting was was like like mind-blowing like it helped me get out of an abusive friendship that i had been in for years that really was just like just pulling apart my confidence and just putting like taking everything that i was starting to build and feel better and just i feel like i took 10 steps back and being able to walk away from that friendship, it was so healing, but it, it wasn't until talking to friends and Googling stuff and really understanding that this, this wasn't me, this was this other person. But again, that number is 800-799-7233. I always want people to get help, especially if things are bad. And then um, you can write to us. Please write to us at two non-doctors. Um, we can't help. 
we can't, <laughs> but you can We're, write to us about other stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. We are useless. Um, but especially if you thought there was like some interesting trait that isn't really talked about in emotional abuse. Cause I think people start to find like, Oh, I like the financial abuse reading. I found that interesting just because I was like, Oh yeah, that's another way to control somebody. If they can't get a job, they can't leave you. Um, mm-hmm. if, uh, going to school means they meet other people, they can talk to other people. So you don't let them go to school. If you, if you're in charge of the money, let's say you're the kind of provider or you have more money, they can't leave cause they can't pay for their own apartment or whatever. So, so finding different things that like you might not originally think of as abusive, like someone controlling your finances. Um, but again, you can write to us at two non-doctors. We appreciate you guys. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. Two, two non-doctors at gmail.com. I don't think yeah. we actually said the, anyway, thanks guys. You know, yeah. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>